Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We just go through, if you're, it's your first time, welcome. We go through different sections of the scriptures that match up with the Come Follow Me curriculum um, and just talk about things that we think you don't want to miss. So that's what we do. <laughs> so fun. Okay, well, uh, something else we do at the beginning of this year every time is add uh, a section to our timeline. We made a timeline for the whole Old Testament. Um, sorry if you've heard that 25,000 times, but some people are new, so we're just going to be nice to them. It goes through the whole history of the Old Testament. Each week, we put a different piece on to kind of show you where we're at in that one. So if you're just joining, don't feel sad. You're still on row one, and we're adding this picture, and this is actually so awesome. You cannot wait to see this close up. Yes. And it's on our tip-in for this week, too. So this is Abraham and Isaac. You're skipping this one, everyone. Don't worry. You're really skipping this because remember how we told you we are going to come back and repeat where the Bible repeats. So we won't get to the square until we're all done here. Then we're going to come back. That's going to be fine. So this is the most well-known story in today's section of scriptures, the one of Abraham and Isaac. And uh, we cannot... So good. I don't know. if If I just say we can't wait to get to that one because it's good, but it's also like, oh... Like all at yes. the same time. <laughs> Lots of emotion. Right. But so good. But- oh, and any questions about the app that y'all are having, just go to don't miss this app.com. Right? And all of your questions will yeah. be answered. <laughs> about the app and everything else. And you if have not, in life. go ahead and email at hello at Emily Bell Freeman. Dot com. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, what else should Your I have on that? Um, gov. And you can ask your questions there too, and we'll be happy to help you. Um, we're just so happy they've been navigating a lot of different things. But as of today, everything is up and running, including that feature where you had to keep signing in, logging in every time. Fixed now. Yeah, so, fixed. So, so you might have to update your app. Most of your apps will do that automatically. If you don't know anything about the app, we have this app where everything that we have, we collect into one place. Our videos, newsletters, podcasts. Um, and then a section where every day we have a little devotional that kind of goes along with the study. So that's what the app is. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and let's talk about this fun thing right now. Part of what we're doing in that daily section is every week we have one song you can listen to and just, we ask you questions and something to think about. But what we also think would be super fun is to have a playlist just to don't miss this old Testament playlist. It'll have 52 songs by the end. And each of the songs will be super meaningful to you because they're related to what we're studying right now. So we have a Don't Miss This Old Testament playlist now that you can find and we will link to it in the newsletter. So you'll be able to listen to it and just it'll just help remind you all of these things that we've been talking about. Okay. And we should put it in the app too. Just and on we'll the main put page, it in the app. Somehow. Megan will ask know the people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's jump in. Okay. Oh, it's me. I'm so happy. Okay. We have four stories today. So you're going to kind of watch this be broken up into just four lessons that we love. And the first lesson we are going to start in chapter 18. And here's what happens. The Lord appears to Abraham in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And I just love, sometimes I love when we get to see the ordinary in scripture stories. And this is kind of one of those moments. If you've ever been camping before, you know that moment when like you already made breakfast for everyone, you already cleaned it up, the fire's out, that everything, that moment in the morning when you just get to sit in your chair, that is what I love to just envision. He's just having this moment where he can finally just breathe for a I second. He's camping. Well, he's this is his house. This house. <laughs> Listen, I but. want everyone to know he lived outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like he was in Zion's he National Park every or day. He camped yeah. every day, just in case you didn't know yeah. they lived in a tent. But it's cool. I, lo- I right, right before you said it, I was thinking the same exact thing. It's like, but, but I was like, oh, front porch. But you're camping <laughs> on the front porch. 
Okay. You have such a fun front porch. I'm surprised you didn't think front porch. Okay, but. well, I'm pretty sure he's just sitting in one of those camp chairs in the dirt. Just <laughs> yeah, ordinary. in the heat of the day. Too. In the heat You're of the just day. Kind of like he couldn't even go in the tent. Right. It's too hot in there. So he's out there, and he lifts up his eyes and looks, and there's three men, three men that are standing by him. And what we want you to do as we tell this story is watch, and in your scriptures you might want to underline what would describe how Abraham acted. Like, what were his actions? What did he do? And we love that it says this. He ran to meet them from the tent door, and he bowed himself down toward the ground. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, please don't go away from me. Stay here, and let me get you a little water, he says, and um, let me wash your feet, and you can rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch you a morsel of bread. And then this is my favorite in verse 5. Just comfort ye your hearts. Do you love when he says that? He's like, just come here and um, let me get all this for you. And I love that he's like, we just we just have the one tree. That's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and sit in the best place in our campsite, right? You go make yourself comfortable under this tree. And he's going to get this water and he's pulling this all together. And then he hastens into the tent unto Sarah and says, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes. And we love that he's like, what should we serve him? Um, cake. cake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the right thing to do. Listen, all of you who are going to try and look up the Hebrew word and tell us that's flatbread, don't tell us. We want it to be cakes. We and love, they're camping. We love that it's cakes. <laughs> and then Abraham runs to the herd and he fetches a calf tender and good. And he gives it to a young man and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and he set it before them. And then he stood by them at the tree while they ate. And there's just so many things that we love about this. We love that he like, as soon as he sees him, he runs to him. Then he runs back into Sarah and then he's bringing water and then he's making sure their feet are going to get washed. And then he's putting them under the best tree. And then he's running out to the field and he comes back and all this stuff is going on. And then once he's got it all settled, who loves that? He's just standing there like, okay, what else do you need? How yeah. can I <laughs> help you? And you just watch how he acts in this setting. And one of the things that I love to think to myself is, what do we know about what he thought about these holy men by how he acted? What do we learn from his actions about, you know, who they were and who they were to him yeah. too? Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, like growing up when someone would come over, we'd always have to clean the house and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. And you could kind of tell how important the person was based off of how much we had to clean. Yes. You know, like sometimes yes. it was tidy up your rooms and sometimes it was you have to go outside and wash like the furniture that's out on the porch. Yes. And I'm like, this winter, they're not <laughs> even going to go out. So you know what I mean? Like the, yes. the way that you respond to who's coming kind of is an indication of the way you yeah. feel about them. And how important they are in your right. esteem. And I love that as we are watching this take place and we think about, this work that he goes to, to invite these holy men into his ordinary living space. It makes me want to ask that about myself. Like, how do I do about inviting holy men into my ordinary space? And, and maybe not holy men are going to show up at my door, but their words do. You know, I, I listen every six months to the words of holy men. And do I bring that into my house? And do I haste to bring those words into my house? And do I stand over those words? And are they important enough to me to just take care with them, you know, and, and invite them into my life and into my home and into my way of living? One of the things that we love about this story is we're going to discover as we go through the Old Testament, this hospitality code. And it's just this way of living. And it was really important in those days because they didn't have hotels or fast food restaurants. Like if you were traveling from somewhere and night came or it was time for a meal, really your only option was where you were passing through. And, and the people just knew how to caretake for each Others, other. Yeah. Yep. And that was just part of what you did. But what I love is it, this might have been the code, 
But what I love is the attention to care that went into um, what may have been just normal for the day. I love that we see that running and the hastening and the best calf and not just bread, flat bread, but maybe cake, you know, yeah. that you just see everything a little bit elevated in their care. And what does hospitality look like in our day? And also, how do we entertain holy men? And sometimes that is just by allowing their words to become part of our ordinary spaces. But um, sometimes that might look different. Yeah. Uh, there's a verse in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, where it's kind of talking about that hospitality code. This is in the New Testament looking back. And Paul says, let your, brother, let your brotherly love continue, right? And he says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And that's hospitality code language, to take care of people that you might not even know who they are, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Right. Sometimes you've actually entertained and taken care of of people who were angels, who were holy men, and, mm. and you had no idea. And I love the invitation to do it to everybody. You know, whoever yes. comes, even if you don't know, you know who they are. It reminds me of this story that from this summer, Christian, my son, was up in Salt Lake and they had a basketball tournament and their game, the other team forfeited, and so he was like, We just want to stay up here with my friends. Can we just ride tracks home or something. And I was like, sure. So I left. And then uh, around lunchtime, I get a text and Christian's like, you'll never guess who I had lunch with. And I was like, who? And he said, guess. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I was like, Donovan Mitchell. And he's like, nope. <laughs> so he comes home and tells this story. And he was in line at McDonald's and he's just standing there in line. And, and he says, there was this old man who was in line behind them. And so he said, we just started chatting with each other. And I think he was um, ordering some fries and Christian was getting his lunch with all. And he just started chatting with this old man and they check out, you know, and he pays for his stuff. And then Christian said, I kind of felt bad because there was this old man who was going to eat at McDonald's by himself. And so I just said, do you want to have lunch with us? You can share my fries. And so the man was like, sure, I'd actually really like that. So he just sat down with these four middle school boys and shared French fries together. And they talked about basketball. And he was like, I was a basketball player when I was younger. And they talked about all that. And he said he offered me some cookies. But I, you know, I said no, because I don't want to take cookies from this you know, stranger or whatever. I learned that in first grade. And so I was just like, well, we were really nice. And then he was like, oh, actually, my family just showed up. I'm going to go eat with them. Um, I was just kind of waiting for him. And they're like, oh, okay, perfect. And they're like, we felt really good because, oh, he has a family who likes him. And, and so he left and said, bye, boys. It was so good to talk to you. And they were like, yeah, it was good. And, and he goes over. And one of the things Christian did say about him was he was like, I really liked him. He had this, like, really good vibe about him, you know? Like, I just really, I didn't want his cookies, but I really liked his vibe, you know? And so he left and go, goes over to his family. And then one of the kids at the table was like, I think I know who that man is. And everyone was like, no, you don't. How would you know who he was? And then he was like, I I'm pretty sure like he, I, I think that's Elder Oaks. And Christian said back, is that your bishop? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, <laughs> he was like, no, he like talks in conference. And they're like, no. So they look up his picture online. <laughs> and it was him. <laughs> and they just have lunch with Elder Oaks, and I, I just, I love that so much. Afterwards, it's so PS. sweet. It really is the sweetest. I know. Thing. And Who loves it? He's like, do you want to eat lunch with us? Yeah. He's like so worried about, right. yeah, about him. Share fries, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it must have been so refreshing to be. President Oaks think, oh, good. I can just have this nice lunch with people who <laughs> don't no know idea. who I am, <laughs> and they and like and just the, he treated them so well, you know, and they had no idea who he was. And I just think it's so awesome that living that hospitality code opens up doors to have experiences that I think we otherwise might not have. And it's so fun because you know, every time he shows up now, every six months, you know, Christians oh, like. Yeah particularly oh, wants to know. I ate lunch with him. Yeah, that's my friend. <laughs> he tried to give me a cookie, right? And they just, <laughs> the so best good. thing is, is once Christian did find out who he was, 
on his way out of the restaurant, he was like, hey, I really like your talks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like, that's so sweet. So it yeah. really is so cute. But yes. same thing happens here. Well, you know? wait, well, before you get there, because I just, I think it's so fun to think that what comes of that lunch, what comes of Oh, yeah, that's that where I was going to go. Exactly. Together. Oh, good. I thought you no, were No, keep going, keep going. Is this blessing that comes, this mm-hmm. promise that is going to come to... Um, Abraham and Sarah and these holy man, these holy men, say to him after that lunch is over, your wife Sarah is going to have a son, and it's kind of funny because she's just still in the tent. I mean, he's standing here and they're having this lunch conversation, and you just hear her laugh in the tent in the background. She's probably like, "Do they know how old I am?" <laughs> you know, and um, so she laughed and and she's like, "And he's too old too," and um. In verse 13, we love, and the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child? Because I am so old. And then verse 14 is one of our favorite verses, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hmm. And you love this promise that Sarah is going to have this child. Sarah, who is barren, Mm -hmm. is all of a sudden going to have this child. And from that lunch with those holy men, their family is blessed for generations. And I just, I love the thought of that, that if we will entertain holy men in our ordinary moments, there will be blessings that will come for generations because of that. And you could even say it more generally and saying like our adherence to holiness Mm. will open up the door to promise blessings. Yes. You know, it's just because they're associated with each other. Uh, That part is so cute when she laughs and she's like, I didn't laugh. And they're like, but you did. (laughs) <laughs> and then it's sort of like this, like, you know, like you can feel the awkwardness thousands of years later when you read it. Um, but they do name Isaac, um, Isaac, their son, Isaac, which means um, he laughs, um, which is cool because yes. it makes you think it's like a happy laughter, yes. you know, yeah. where you're just like, oh, the end of a waiting, you yes. know, almost like the happily ever after, yes. like a promise fulfilled kind of thing. Well, this is really interesting because chapter 18, which is such a sweet chapter, you know, um, is I think a foil, like a, a parallel. It's put next to 19 on purpose because of what you see happen in chapter 19. Um, the angels also tell, and then it's actually the Lord who begins speaking to Abraham and says to him, I'm, I have heard the cries of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and it's a city that um, you find out in Ezekiel 16 that has, they have plenty. They have lots of bread, it says, but they're oppressing the poor and the widows. And those people are crying out for help. And he's like, I'm going to answer that cry. And the response of the cry is going to be a destruction of that city. And there is this conversation with Abraham and the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's like, please don't destroy that city. Um, what if I can find 50 people who are righteous? Will you save the rest of the city? And he says, yes. And I think this conversation's more poetic than it mm. was actual. Literal. Yeah, literal. But you're kind of seeing this play out because he's like, what about 45? And he's like, absolutely. What about 40? Yes. 20? Yes. 10? Yes. And it kind of ends uh, almost like incomplete. Yeah. If I can find 10 righteous men or people, would you, would you save, save the, the city? city? And he's like, yes. And as I read, I'm like, wait, you're not done. You know, it almost leaves it empty for you to answer the end of that conversation. Would you do it for one? Would you spare uh, this entire place because of the righteousness of one? And that empty, that conversation that's not there mm-hmm. has so much Jesus in yeah, it, Yeah, that's right? unsaid. Yeah, yeah, the unsaid, yeah. like part of it. Um, the th- reason, it's interesting because Abraham's actually concerned about the whole city. Like, he's like, will you spare the whole city, please? But he's probably particularly concerned because he has a, a cousin, nephew, depending Brother. on what the relationship yeah. is there. You <laughs> know, it's hard in the Old Testament yeah. to tell Lot and his family live there. You remember Lot and Abraham used to live together. And then they got to the spot where they were too big for their land and they had to split up. And Abraham says, choose whatever you want, Lot. And Lot chooses these fields that are really well watered. And then you find out that he pitches his tent facing that city of Sodom. Um, And then you find out in the next chapter, the verses are all here on your journal where you can see that move through. He actually moves into that city and now he's in it. And and this is destruction's going to happen. So these same 
angels, holy men, whatever they are, go into Sodom and Gomorrah to go rescue Lot and his family, to go bring them out of the city. And they get in there and it is um, Lot, the way Lot entertains the holy men, we want you to compare to the way that Abraham entertains them. And I think it's so interesting because one thing you're going to notice is there are a lot of similarities, which means Lot has been taught about holy men yeah. in his life. And, yeah. and he knows the expectation and he, he a little bit lives within the expectation. But what, what becomes, what you start noticing is that attention to detail, that honor, that um, reverence for those holy men is, is More what's diluted. lacking like, yeah, yeah. a little bit. And that's what you want to be watching for. Because some of the things you're going to be like, well, that sounds exactly the same. Right, right. But some of the things you're like, oh, that is so interesting. And I do love this. I love that those holy men entered into Abraham's story, right? His tent and his camp chair and, and his wife and yeah. what was going on and was hard in their life, right? Um, and that blessing that is going to be bestowed to Sarah. And I love that it's true here too. Those holy men go into Lot's space and into his life and into his ordinary. And I love that God's like, I will meet you where you are. Yeah, I, I yeah. will come into that space and I will bring mm goodness and blessing and promise here in both of the places. So what, what was the same is what was given. What was different is how it was received. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think the measure, the degree to which we receive mm. God's help and presence in our life would match. Well, not match. It would correlate to the degree that his influence can change us and change mm -hmm. our circumstances, so right? Yep. And so it's, um, so he, they come in and they come in with this message and you watch this scene play out where, you know, the people of the city are trying to mob these people and lots like, you better get inside. You're not, you actually don't want that group of people. And they're like, send those holy men out, like get, send them out of the house. And, and Lot's like, no, how about you have my daughters instead? And you're sort of like, what in the world is happening? So you see this like strange, like he knows how to treat holy men, but he's going to do something kind of preposterous to like please the crowd. And it's almost like you find him straddling two different worlds mm -hmm. here where he's just like, man, I don't want to lose face with all of you, but, but I also know the way I'm supposed to treat them. And, and what's being put on the table is his family, right? Like as he straddles those two worlds, it's the next generations that are going to actually suffer from that decision, yeah. right? From that lack of care and concern. And, and um, while you're listening to this conversation, the angels, there's this verse in 15 and 16, and we love looking at the comparison here in 15. It says, the angels hastened to Lot and they said, get up, get your daughters, get your family, whoever hits and get out. And then in verse 16, you see, and this is the fill in the blank on the journal, that Lot lingered. So the angels hastened, like Abraham did, but Lot lingers. And he kind of just stays there. And he's like, uh, almost like he's dragging his feet a little bit. And you love that the I keep calling them the angels. Does it say in here? Oh, yeah, it calls them angels. That's why I'm like, why am I calling them angels again and again? They actually grab hold of his hand. And they pull him out of the city. And someone grabs his wife's hand. And they pull them out of the city. And I love that they are not just like, well, we tried, you know, but rather like, yeah, they're compelling right, them. Let's go. And yeah. they, they no, I don't want to. And they're like, please, please, you know, dragging their hands out. And, and for just a minute, I just want to think to myself, because you have cute Abraham somewhere just praying right, that right. they are going to get out of that place. And I love that um, sometimes those angels, those holy men, they are doing everything they can simply because someone is praying for that rescue yeah. and, and the power of that, because there is that one line in verse 29, when it says, God remembered Abraham mm. and sent Lot mm. out of the midst of the overthrow. And for those of us who are praying for, um, people who maybe aren't in a good spot spiritually, just to remember that God says he'll remember you. And he'll remember that prayer. And there will come a day when angels will go in and grasp hold of them. And we don't know when. 
Yeah. You know, we don't know when, but the power of our prayers and our consistent prayers will be remembered. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. And and this verse 17 where he tells them, gives them this, this commission, don't look behind you anymore. Look forward. That was your old life. You can actually escape from it. And he says, uses that word escape to the mountain. And this is a lesson that we see a lot about God providing for people. And he provided promises and blessings to Abraham in the first part of the story. Right now he's promising an escape to those who found themselves in a little bit of trouble, even by their own doing, mm-hmm. right? And, and he gives them this place to escape. And we love this question here for just think about in the journal that God is providing you something better. Um, he's providing an escape to a better life. Um, what is making us hesitate? Why, what are, why are we holding back? Why are we lingering? You know, what is it? Do we not trust him? What, you know, what is it that it's yeah. like, ah, I've got something better for you. And I think there is within this a lesson of submission mm. that is happening. And it's a word we don't use very often. And maybe it's an art that our generation, our culture, our society is losing this ability to submit our wants, our needs, our pleasures are what we feel entitled to because of trust. Yeah. And I feel like that is where it the lesson comes in. That when you think about what these holy men were asking Lot to do was to submit to something that would in the end be better. Yeah. Even though at the time they were like, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. you're right. And I don't know why you're asking me to do that. And I don't see why it's a problem, right? It, it, Lot looked around and he was like, why is this a problem? I, I don't see the world getting into my life being a problem. Yeah. And it's almost as if what allows submission to take place is trust. Mm. Because if you trust the person who is asking that hard thing of you, then even if you don't understand, even if you're like, why do I need to do that? I don't think I need to do that. But if you trust the person who's asking you, even if it feels like an unimportant ask, at the level you trust that person is the level to which you will respond, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you kind of start seeing here is, There is that hesitation, which in my mind, I'm like, part of that is maybe not understanding submission, but part of it is a lack of trust that that person who's asking you that thing sees something better ahead of you than you do. Yeah. And in this story, it's a, a, right, it's a submission to God and it would be our trust in God that would lead to our submission to him. And it's our submission to God that would lead to his power flowing into our lives. It's almost as if he's asking whatever percentage of your heart and life you submit to me, I can bless. Mm. I can make better, you know, if you'll, if you will submit that to me. And, and And I wonder if along with what you're saying, part of it is saying, if I am having trouble submitting to something that has been asked of me, then what I need to do is step back and look at my trust Why? and yeah, what yeah. isn't quite right in the relationship right now. And maybe what I need to work on first before submission is trust that I trust that God knows something better, even yeah. if it doesn't make sense to me right now. Yeah. And I think it would be wise, like counsel to say to somebody, if I'm struggling with submitting to something that in particular that the Lord has said, or as holy men have said, or, you know, wherever that's come from, to take that struggle into prayer and just like into thought and just be like, wait, why am I, why am I pushing back against yeah. this? What or why is am it I hesitating? Yeah, you know, why am I hesitating? And, and you see with Lot, when he says, escape to that mountain, he actually says, well, in verse 20, what about this, <laughs> what about this little city? It's just a little one. And it's right here. Can't I just escape to that city? Because I don't want to go all the way to the mountain. I just want to go to this little city in, instead. And it's just interesting to see that God provide this escape to the mountain. And Lot is just like, no, I actually just want to come to this 
little city. And and it's I love that it's a little city because it honestly is the little things that like mm. that uh, that are, are going to keep us back, right, from submitting, right. It says mm-hmm. what 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 is the, your what's the little city that is holding you back or, or making you hesitate, you know? And and that little city is spared. It really is. Mm-hmm. God spares that little city, um, but not in the same way that He does the mountain. Right? And it's so interesting because remember we watched after Abraham responds to those holy men, the promise to his family and Sarah and for generations is this blessing that is going to multiply and grow and progress. And their family and their future family is blessed because of that hastening. And Lot, it's not going to be the same. Lot's yeah. wife turns around and looks back. She, she, she doesn't just hesitate. She's like, I actually would choose what the world is offering over the possibility of what they are suggesting. So he loses his wife. And as we watch what happens with his daughters and with his sons, what's going to happen for Lot is sad. It's, it's a sad ending simply because he chose the little things over the Lord. Yeah. And, and it's cool. Not cool, but like Mm -hmm. to see that she comes out a little bit and then turns back and doesn't get to live. Yeah. She thinks about it for a minute. She doesn't get to live. When it says she turns into a pillar of salt, most Bible scholars think that she went back into the city and was just kind of became salt like the rest of the city or whatever. Um, Instead of like actually like looking over her shoulder, it's like, wow, a little harsh. Um, But she doesn't get to live because she doesn't leave. Lot and his daughters get to live, but they don't get to live the kind of life that Abraham and Sarah get to live mm-hmm. because they only came this far, you yeah. know? And that's what's like, yeah. you can kind of see the degrees of submission and the degrees of God's power that comes in, you know, based yeah. off of that. I just love those two stories back to back. There yeah. are so many lessons that can be learned from those two stories back to back. And as you go back in and study them and, and line up the verses, you'll see where there are similarities and then you start seeing where um, that difference is. And we're going to talk next week about a switch point. And it's so true here. Yeah. Uh, also, this just this moment of decision that then those paths diverge and, and go in different places. Yeah. Um, such a good lesson there. Um, then I love, as we get into chapter 21, this also is one of my favorite stories in scripture. And this is going to be the story of Hagar. And you remember what happens is um, Sarah is going to have Isaac. And as that all starts happening, what they discover is Hagar is going to have to leave. And Abraham wakes up early one morning and he gets some bread and a bottle of water and he gives it to Hagar. And then she goes out into this wilderness. And for just a minute, I want to think about Hagar. We, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on Abraham and Sarah and their story going forward. But I just want to take this little moment and just see what does the Lord teach us through Hagar. And maybe we ought to just say, like, the, there was a little fa- Abraham was had a plural wife situation where he was married to Sarah and married to Hagar. Hagar had a son whose name was Ishmael, and Ab- and Sarah has a baby the miracle baby named Isaac. And there was some sort of confrontation between them. And we don't know what it was and we don't know how it came about, but the end result was the best thing to do for her, according to Abraham's thought was for her to leave the city. So that's why she's going out. So she goes out. the city, but you know, their their camp. (laughs) Yeah. And so she goes out into this wilderness and she goes on her way And then in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 21, we find out she eventually runs out of the water and she runs out of the food and she doesn't think that they will make it. And so she takes this child and she puts him under this shrub for shade. And then verse 16 just tears at my heart for anyone who is a mother. And you you just think about that moment. And it says, and she went and she sat her down over against him a good way off. She walked as far away as she could, where she still knew what was happening there, but she went far enough away and she just pled with the Lord. And she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and she just lift up her voice and wept. 
And I just think about this woman in this moment who has this boy and now she's in this wilderness situation and she doesn't know what she's going to do. And in this moment, her first response is to just plead with the Lord, let me not see the death of this child. And God heard the voice of the lad crying and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And one of the things I just want to pause and talk about here is the importance of remembering, and we are going to see this over and over in Old Testament scripture, but sometimes we neglect to point it out that God will speak to women just as he will speak to men. And God will bestow promises to women the same as he will bestow them to men. And lest we forget that, we have the story of Hagar, and, and who has given that promise. And I, and I would extend that even further to say this is Hagar and Ishmael's descendants are going to become mm. who we know today as Islam, as the Muslims. And it's like they are not, no longer part of, the, of like the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob you know, or the covenant family, but they are still a family that God is looking out for. And recognizes. Re blessing, mm -hmm. rescue. Like, and, I, and I think that's really important also. That just yes. like, it's, he is not only watching and caring out for the covenant people, but also those outside the camp or wh wh wherever yeah. they are, wherever people yeah. are. That he's going to hear those cries. He's going to answer those prayers and he is going to bless with a multiplicity of blessings um, just the same. And there, there's so much good there to remember as we consider our place in God's kingdom, mm. right? In God's kingdom. It doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what your situation is. If you're in the camp or if you're in the wilderness, God is going to hear the cry of any of his children and he will answer and he will bless. And I love that we learned that right here. And then I love this in 19 and 20, there is another really powerful lesson here. It says, and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and she filled the bottle with water and she gave the lad to drink. And I love that sometimes in those wilderness places, we have to remember that God will open our eyes in our situation. Even when we're like, this is not what I anticipated. This was not what I had planned. I didn't plan to live in the wilderness, single with my son. I did not plan that in my story. And I love that he's like, oh, here, let me open your eyes and let you see this living water in your story, mm. wherever mm. your story is. And I love this that we learned because then in verse 20, it says this one little hint that there is such a powerful lesson. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And what we learn in that moment is God didn't take away the wilderness, which I think is really important for us to remember that he didn't take away the wilderness, that that's where Hagar lived. That's where she ended up raising that boy. And sometimes we need to remember, um, sometimes God doesn't remove the wilderness, but he will provide a well. And you'll see that um, down here in the journal. And as we go through and we think about this story, just some important parts you might want to put down in your journal. And then two really important questions to ask here. But it says this, she departed and wandered in the wilderness for God heard the voice of the lad where he is. And I just, I love that. I love that lesson. God will meet you where you are mm. as you are even in wilderness places. And God opened her eyes and she saw a well, right? She saw living water in her story. And I just love these two questions here. First of all, where is your wilderness right now? Where is it? And the second question is to think, where is your well? And um, sometimes we spend so long praying to get out of the wilderness and maybe part of the journey is first learning to find the well. Yeah, and I've never liked this until right now, but that end of verse 20, and it says, and he became an archer. And Isaac became a herdsman, 
mm-hmm. in the camp. But out in the wilderness, Ishmael became an archer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think he would have become that in the camp. Mm-hmm. So he became something because of his wilderness experience yeah. also, you know, and something that will bless his life perpetually, mm-hmm. right? It yeah. will, but it's just neat to think of what will we become in that wilderness place if yeah. we stay there? You yeah. know, instead and, of wanting to get out. And you look at, in Hayer's story, where do we find that submission? Where do we learn that lesson? And and part of that submission for Hagar and Ishmael is realizing uh, we're going to live in the wilderness. Yeah. And now what can we become in this place? Right. And the opposite of that would be like, uh, like to cry unfair, to yeah. cry foul, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's sweet to see when she submits to, oh, okay, I'll live in the wilderness. Yes. God st- then God's she's able to open there. her eyes, you know, yep. and see all those things. And then we come to the greatest story of submission, probably. In the whole Bible. Yeah. Well, it's, because it it's mirrors, gonna hint <laughs> it mirrors to the greatest. The greatest. Yeah. yeah. So Genesis 22 is, is one, is a story so many people are familiar with. And, um, and it's, it's, particularly emotional because of what we've read so far that you had Abraham and Sarah who pled so long for this promised son to come and and they had this miracle baby and they laughed and they rejoiced, you know, in the miracle baby. And we had the confrontation with Hagar and it seemed to be settled and solved. And then all of a sudden in 22, God brings this command to um, Abraham to take his son, verse two, your only son, Isaac, whom you lovest. I mean, there's a lot of like, oh, mm-hmm. the heartache is being like painted there and offer him up as a, a sacrifice in on this mountain called Moriah. And um, one way that is really powerful to read Genesis 22 is to read it as a type and shadow of the sacrifice of the father and the son. Um capital F, capital S, right? To read through that and to see the hints and Mm. and the foreshadowing toward that story. Um, Take the whole chapter and like look for them. You'll find things like the the wood of the sacrifice being laid on the shoulders of Isaac. You'll see the submission of the son as much as you see it of, of the father, you know? So it's just so powerful to read that story and to see the story of Jesus, um, in it. Mm. Um, that's one really powerful way to read it. And that would be such a cool study sometime this week or sometime in your life. Um, but there is also just this lesson that we learn as we watch Abraham and as we consider like what is going on mm. inside of his mind and inside of his heart as he is taking this journey. Yeah. And I love that as we, as we try to think of what we learn from Abraham just sitting back for a minute and considering some of the details of what take place in that story. Um, I love as we read through uh, what happens there, thinking to myself that he he doesn't, this isn't something that just happens at home. This is going to be a three day journey and this moment of preparation to go up to Mount Moriah. And as I consider the journey that took place on the road to Moriah, I ponder the thoughts that must have filled Abraham's heavy heart. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. I imagine the sun rising early that morning, the gathering of wood, the planning for the three-day journey ahead. I think of the thoughts that must have filled Abraham's heart every time he lifted his eyes to see the place afar off. I imagine the last stretch of that journey as Abraham climbed the mountain with his son, his only son, whom he loved. When he came to the place God had told him of, I picture him building the altar somberly with his own hands and carefully laying out the wood, each piece in order. It is beyond my capacity to understand what he must have felt as he gently bound his trusting, obedient son and laid him on the altar. And then when Abraham stretched forth his hand, an angel called unto him in the very moment when it became clear that Abraham would not withhold anything from the Lord, which I just think is so remarkable that he, he does that whole journey. He gathers the wood, he goes up there, he builds the altar, he lays out the stuff. He he gets to the point where his hand is raised. And it is in that moment Mm -hmm. when God realizes Abraham will not withhold anything. That is the moment 
when the angel comes. And I just think, have I had moments like that? And in my mind, that is like, that is submission Mm -hmm. in that moment. And when asked why God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, President Hubie Brown suggested it was because Abraham needed to learn something about Abraham. And I wonder, what do I need to learn about myself? What am I willing to give to the Lord to learn that lesson? What am I willing to sacrifice or to submit? After reading about Abraham, I realized that I must become more willing to take the journey, to actually climb the mountain, to withhold nothing. You think about that, like what, what am I holding back that I'm like, I think this is fine you know, and, mm-hmm. and to really be able to withhold nothing, even when I don't know what the end of the path will bring. This is one of my favorite quotes. Susan Tanner wrote, each time I walk with Abraham and Isaac on the road to Mount Moriah, I weep knowing that Abraham does not know that there will be an angel and a ram in the thicket at the end of the journey. And I think we forget that sometimes. We're so familiar with the story. Like he starts packing up and he starts walking that road and he's laying out that altar and we're all like this. It's fine, it's fine, don't worry. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be a ram in the thicket. And I love that every step of that way and every stone laid and every piece of wood, Abraham has no idea that there's gonna be a ram. In the thicket. He has no idea. We are each in the middle of our earthly path and we don't know the rest of our own stories, but we, as Abraham, are blessed with miracles. And I just think I love that um, that thought of comparing ourselves to this story. As Abraham and Isaac prepared to leave Mount Moriah, the angel called unto Abraham a second time. And he says this in Genesis 22. And it's 16 through 18. He says, Because thou hast done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And I think to myself again, what does your sacrifice look like? And what are the stones that you lift every day? And what is the bundle of wood that you carry? In the Mount Moriah moments of our lives, in the moments when we choose to withhold nothing from the Lord, in the moments of greatest sacrifice, perhaps we could try to remember that in his own way and in his own time, the Lord will provide the angel and the ram in the thicket. When all is said and done, he will withhold nothing from us. In blessing, he will bless us. And I just hope my eyes will be open to just recognize those blessings and and what comes in those moments when we choose to not withhold. And the word we picked for this week was the word provide. And that's because of the way you saw God provide an escape and a well and blessings and promises and, and everything that we saw throughout the whole story. But at the end of this Abraham and Isaac story, they named that place Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. And it, it's interesting as you, as you read the story, this fill in the blank in the journal, and it says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. That happens as they're walking up. He doesn't know how, but he does believe in a God who provides. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not sure how he's going to do this. But mid-journey, I'm trusting that that's still the God that he is and, and a God who is going to provide. And and they go to this um mountain place and remember they take a trip that's three days away and you're kind of like why would you not just go to the backyard or something like that you know but they go to a very specific mountain that God designates and it's interesting that when they get to this very specific mountain you're like why what's happening why is this all going down when he says God will provide himself a lamb it's actually a ram that shows up in the bush and you're sort of like wait you brought the wrong animal. You know, you were supposed to provide a lamb. And I think one of the beautiful things about this story is that mountain, a couple thousand years later, gets renamed as Calvary and Golgotha. That is the place where God will sacrifice his own son and where there won't be an escape from it. 
Like he, he really will go all the way through it. And when it says the Lord will provide in this place, it's exactly what happened. Yes, he would provide a lamb, but not for a couple thousand years. And that lamb would come. And, and there is that beautiful lesson. When there's no escape and there's no well, Mount Moriah teaches us that he, God, will not withhold even his son, his only son, whom he lovest. And I think that's a moment in time we can always look to, to build that trust mm. in us. It's like, I don't, how do I know if I can mm. trust him to submit? It's like, oh, look to this story, the story yeah. of the sacrifice of his son as the moment in time when you could say, okay, I can trust somebody. Yeah. Like and that. I love, as you look at the tip-in for this week, it's going to be this picture that um, Eva Timothy painted for us. And we'll put this somewhere where you'll be able to see it up close. But we just love, one of my favorite parts about this is that father grasping that son, that boy, so tight. And the emotion on his face in that moment of just, um, you know, it's over. And I love, as you talk about, there's another reunion of a father and a son in that moment when um, it was over and it was done and the plan had been accomplished in that moment. And as hard as it was and as much submission as it required, that all would be well for everybody. Um, and to think of that embrace in that moment and how sweet it must have been um, to just know the family is saved, like the family is saved now mm. and how sweet that is. So we've got this tip in if you're using the tip ins that you can just slide right in here in 22 just to remind you um, of that sweet experience of father and of son and of just true submission and trust and how beautiful that really is. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so see good. you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.